Good morning. Good morning. Let's open our Bibles to uh, Joshua, chapter 24. That was a very wonderful song about Jesus being there. And the other thing that's very important to understand that God has always been there. You 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 think about all the. You know, from the beginning of time, and you just open up the Bible, and the first words in the Bible say, and God did what? God created the heavens and the earth. So, he's been there from the beginning, and praise God for that. So, let's pray. Dear Father, we thank you that you are there, that you've been there, and that you will be there, Lord. And this morning we ask that you would intervene this morning, that you would come and visit this house, Lord, that you would give us some words, some encouragement, some direction, some conviction, some uplifting, and salvation if that's what is in need for someone here today. And we thank you that your word is faithful and powerful and changes lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I had a lot of different, um, was trying to figure out a, a title for this message, and I had come up with a couple of different things about, um, you know, things that, you know, the world is looking for. Uh, there's so many things that people don't know, that people want to know. There's a question that's been asked since the beginning why are we here that could be a good title and then I went to are we really servants for Christ because I want to talk about being a servant and then this morning I changed it because I was thinking that it was more appropriate there is no higher purpose and that's the title of this message There is no higher purpose. And I want to look at an area that's an area that's been kind of, the Lord's been putting on my heart about service. You know, you think about it like our sister was singing about he's there. And he always has been there. Isn't that just amazing? We go to, like I said, the first book of the Bible, and you don't have to go there, but it says, in the beginning, God created. In the beginning, God, the beginning, God spoke. God created. God made the heavens and the earth. God said, let there be light, and there was light. So the thing about that is wonderful when we think about it as Christians is that God has been there from the beginning Doing something. So when we read about this subject matter, I just want you to think about it. Because we're going to talk about a man that was a servant. He was a servant for God. If you go to the first chapter of Joshua, it actually gives you a little introduction And it talks about the death of Moses. It says, after the death of Moses, 
the servant of the Lord, which God called Moses, the servant of the Lord. It says, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses's aid. He had been working under Moses for a number of years. He had been following his footsteps. He had been picking up after Moses. He had been hanging out with Moses, watching Moses, learning from Moses, sitting at Moses' feet, learning, growing. And then there came a day where God said, okay, my servant Moses is now no longer in the picture. I need you now. You're ready. You've been prepared. You've been groomed. And he picked him. And I want you to think about a couple questions. If I asked a question to everybody in this room that who's a servant, you probably all would put your hands up. Are you a servant for the Lord? Because what does it mean to be a servant for the Lord? Somebody who serves God. But have you ever thought about what that means? I was thinking years ago, I had a guy that came up to me and said to me before I got into sales. He said, Ron, it's interesting that you can call yourself a salesman. But you don't have to have any qualifications. Listen to that. The doctor has to have a doctorate degree. If you're going to be a fireman, you have to go through a school to be a fireman, to be a police officer. But a salesman, you don't really have to do anything to be a salesman. He says you can just call yourself a salesman. They hire you as a salesman. Now it's on the title of your business card. Now guess what? You are a salesman. But he says, Ron, are you really a salesman? Are there certain qualifications of a salesman that you have to meet in order to really earn the title salesman? And it made me think. There were some things. And I had to learn those things. And I think sometimes as servants of the Lord, we can say that. I'm a servant of the Lord and not think, well, what does that mean to be a servant of God? What does it really mean? And I think that one of the ways of checking it out is to look at a servant. Now, I was reading McIntosh, and he says something about the most ideal servant, the most perfect servant, which was our Lord Jesus He says that when we turn our eyes away from man and fix them upon the only true and perfect servant, we do not find him looking this way or that way for this simple reason that he never had his eye upon men, but always upon God. He always acted with and for God. Therefore, he always did those things which please the father. Again, he always did those things that pleased the father. That's what a servant is. He was the epitome of a servant. But we can say, well, you know, but that was God. He has a few more qualifications than we have. So we're going to look at the man, Joshua. He was a man just like us. He was flesh and blood. He had a mother. He had a father. He came. He came into the world in sin like we did. And we look at him and we look at the fact that God chose him and God chose him for a reason. But God, when he first chose Joshua, you notice he didn't say that my servant Moses is dead. Now my servant Joshua 
I want you to lead. He didn't call him servant. I think he was in class. I think he was he had already earned the right to be to sit at Moses feet. But he had to go through a little bit more before he could be qualified as a servant. And that's where we are. We're talking about Joshua and then now Joshua goes through his whole life. And we're at the end. So he's gained the credentials now. We can't go through his life because he made some um, great decisions. A couple times, you know, I think when the the Moabites came and they fooled him and the tribe of Israel. It says that he didn't inquire of the Lord. So he made a mistake there. And guess what? He got fooled. And we make mistakes sometimes. But guess what? God revealed that three days later to him, that they were fraudulent. He was a servant in training, which all of us are servants in training. But let's go to the end of the book of Joshua, because I think when we go to the end of the book of Joshua, we're going to actually start to look at what he says is important. And he now he's qualified. See, a general is qualified to tell the troops the direction that they should go in. Because he's lived out in the line, front lines, and he's led people and he's been successful. Now he's qualified. Joshua now has led the people in the promised land. Him and Caleb were the only ones that were with Moses that God said, you are acceptable to go into the promised land because you have the right kind of heart. So Joshua proved himself to God to be given the right to lead the people into the promised land. And now Joshua has walked in the promised land and he's had all kind of victories. He's shown the people direction. They fought the good fight. Now he was finishing his race. And now he was saying, I've gained all this knowledge. And now I've acquired wisdom. And wisdom is something that comes to us when we acquire knowledge and we use that knowledge and make decisions based on that knowledge that are appropriate. That's wisdom. Because you can have all the knowledge and not make the right decision. But a wise man makes the right decision. Joshua was a wise man at this point. He made good decisions. He followed counsel of God. So when we look at him as a servant, as an example of a servant, I think he's qualified to listen to. So let's see what he says. One of the first thing that Joshua says in chapter 24 says that he assembled all the tribes of Israel. And then he summoned the elders. And then Joshua said to the people, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. He goes right into he assembles everybody and says, OK, I'm getting ready to go. It's almost over. I want to pass the baton. I want you guys to understand the importance of serving our God. So let me just tell you what's important in order to do that. And I was amazed by this when I broke it down and really looked at it because it really goes down to where it says Joshua starts to review the history of the people of God. Why? Why? Think about that as we read a little bit here. It says that Joshua said to the people, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Long ago, your forefathers, including Terah, which is the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the river and worshipped other gods. 
He says, long ago, you were worshiping other gods, your ancestors, the father of Abraham. Abraham, that great mighty man of God, wasn't a mighty man of God before God came and rescued him. Because his father was not walking with God. And it says that. It says that he worshipped other gods. But, but, I took him. I took him. What do you mean, God? I took your father, Abraham, from the land, the bad land. I took him. When we talk about God, and like I said, I love that uh, song that we sang about Jesus. I mean, he's always there. But do you understand that God has always been in the picture? He took the father, Abraham. Why? Because he had a plan. You're worshiping other gods, but I'm going to take you out from worshiping other, other gods. And it says that God took him. And then it goes on to say that I gave him Isaac. He took and he gave him Isaac. And then he did something else. I gave him Jacob and Esau. I assigned the hill country. I sent Moses. I afflicted the Egyptians. Who's the I? God. The point of all this is that God said, I brought you out. I brought your fathers out. You saw with your own eyes what I did to the Egyptians. I brought you to the land. I gave them into your hands. I destroyed them from before you. I delivered you out of his hand. God is saying in all of those verses through the prophet, through the servant Joshua, this is what God has been doing for you, for your, for your parents. This is what God has done for you. He is the one that's always been behind the scenes, orchestrating events to save us. Does that really kind of make you cringe when you think about it? Because I can say personally that God brought me out of the life I had. I can personally say that. Because I didn't come out on my own. Phil Payne was talking when he was up here about when he was eight years old. He said his father had a great conversation with him. His father asked him a question, and all of a sudden he had this great revelation, and he just, it was a godly conversation when he was eight years old. Well, when I was eight years old, my mom and father split up. I don't have that history. And praise God for godly parents that raise godly kids, that provide a godly environment so that the kids can see what God truly is like. But I didn't have that. I feel like I was around Abraham's father. He was my father because he worshipped other gods. But God said, well, but, but, but Ron, I brought you out of that. 
Because my father didn't know. And what happened? God still was working behind the scenes. He brought me out. I went through another 32 years of not walking with him. And he was in the situation, always working and weaving through my life where I had no idea. He was part of the fabric of my existence because he was doing exactly what he continues to do from the beginning of time through everybody's life in here and all throughout the world. From the beginning, he's been intertwined, weaving through, working through, trying to draw us to him, doing all the work. He's the one that's been doing it all from the beginning. And everybody that's in this room that knows him as Savior should look at that and say, wow. I was going this way and God pulled me back this way. Because you didn't do it. I didn't do it. It says that I gave them into your hands. He didn't say you earned it. You did it. He says, I delivered you out of this hand, out of his hand, the enemy's hand. I delivered you. Ron, I delivered you from drugs. I delivered you from a broken marriage. You didn't see me, but I was working behind the scenes because I love you so much that I did it. And I will continue to do it. And I am still doing it, delivering you, showing you, working within you. God has been doing it. And each person in here can t- today should think about that right now. If you don't know him as Savior, guess what? He still has been doing it. He brought you here. Why? Because he just says, I love you so much that I'm going to just keep moving your life in the direction towards me. You didn't do it. You might have got up and put on your clothes and brushed your teeth. But I'm telling you, it's God's power that brought us here. It's God's power that's been working within to bring us to him, to bring us closer to him, to bring us closer and closer to him, and to make us useful for him. It's God that's been doing it and continues to do it. And then you say, well, wait a minute, but that's just Old Testament stuff about what happened here, what happened there. Let's go to the New Testament. You go to John 3.16. God so loved the world. Everybody knows that. God so loved the world that what? He gave. Who gave? He gave. He said, I gave. I didn't stop giving in the Old Testament. When we go to the New Testament and, and Jesus is now on the scene, he says, God so loved the world. I so love the world that I gave my son because I love you so much. And I let my son die on a cross because I love you so much. God said, I did that. And then it says, John 6, 3, 635, I am the bread of life. You're not the bread of life. He says, I am the bread of life. You can have your cheeseburgers and you can eat your bread, but your bread is not the bread of life. Your bread is maybe the bread of sustenance. Keep you going maybe for a minute. But mine is the bread of life. You eat this bread and you will never be the same. You will have eternal life. But it's my bread. It's not your bread. Then he says in 8.12, John 8.12, I am the light of the world. There is no light other than my light. You want to find out where to go? He says, I'm the light. He didn't say there's other lights. He says, I'm one of the lights. 
I'm the light. And I came to give you light. Again, I am doing it. I am working. I am choosing. I am giving you light because I want you to be able to see the truth. So I am the light. He who comes to me, what happens when you come to me? Come to me. I will give you the light. I will let you see the truth of your true condition. I will reveal the thoughts and intentions of your heart because I am the light. I am the truth. I am, not you. And I'm not arrogant about it. I'm bringing the light so that you can have life, so that you can see. And then he goes on 14, 6 to say, I am the way and the truth and life. No one comes to the Father except by me. I am the way and I'm not keeping it to myself. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. But I'm telling you that. I'm giving you that. And then 19, 1 through um, 2 says that when we read about the flogging of Jesus, it's like God is saying to, uh, to us, I let Pilate flog my son. I let. I let. Pilate, flog my son. Because I love you. When we watch the movie, everybody's seen the movie, we have to understand that God let that happen. It was God's choice. God was doing it. He wasn't flogging. But believe me, he was on the other side accepting the flogging, the beating, the abuse. Because he says that I love you. I love you. So I am doing it again. And then the thorns on the head, the pain, he said it was because my pain was for your gain. I suffered the pain. I suffered the pain so that you can have the gain. I. And then John 19.30 says, my son died on the cross so that you could have life. And it's my plan. It's always been his plan. Now you can say, you know, what does all this mean? When, when he's going through and telling them. Now remember, he's a man of God. He's been a servant. He's not just throwing out idle words. He's gathered everyone together. The leaders, the people, everyone. He says, I have a word for you. I have something very important for you. I have something that's significant for you. Something that's going to change your life potentially, possibly. But you have to participate on one area. You have to make a decision. But he says, I'm going to tell you something before I ask you to make that decision. I'm going to remind you what God did. And you know what? I didn't think about it as much. And this, the breaking of bread today just blew my mind more today for some reason. Because I started thinking, worshiping God on Sunday and reminding ourselves what God did is what it's all about. What God did. When we break bread, we're just saying, we want to thank you, God, for what you did. That's all we're doing. You died on the cross for us. Now that I, have, I can have life now. But it's you did it. And now I just want to thank you for that. That's breaking. That's worshiping him. That's what we do when we break bread. From the beginning of our existence, from the beginning, 
God has been doing everything for his children. Everything. He's been working behind the scenes, weaving our lives, drawing us to him. For what? For what? Because he loves us. He loves us. But for what purpose? There's two purposes. One, obviously, is to save us. Why? Because he loves us. He doesn't want to see us go. So he keeps orchestrating events in your life like he did in my life. Because he took me through a lot. I mean, now that I look back, I think, and I was talking to a brother about this, and I was saying, I can't believe that I didn't go to jail. Because I had drugs in my possession. And I could have easily been pulled off to the side, and somebody just shackled me, and I could be in prison right now. Now, I'm not saying that God doesn't do that to everybody. I don't know why he picked me. I can tell no one why he picked me. But I know that my God was working in events to bring me to this point where he says, Ron, I'm going to save you because I love you. So he orchestrated events and kept me from all kind of disaster and stopped me from killing myself so that he could save me. And he did it. Because whatever he intends to do, he does. He doesn't make mistakes. He hasn't made it from the beginning. He doesn't make mistakes. He says, I'm going to draw you to the church so you can't get saved. I'm going to draw you to a church to hear the word of God so you don't hear it. I'm going to draw you so you don't get edified. I'm going to save you so that you can just basically just do whatever you want to do. He has a purpose in everything. What's his purpose for you and me? Well, the first thing is he wants to save us. Do you remember? Joshua was really asking them the question. He might even tell them to close your eyes. I want you to remember. He says, do you remember what life was like without me? Do you remember? What life was like without him? I want you to think about this morning. What was like without, without him? What was it like? Was it good? What was life uh, like without Christ? He says, I want you to remember today what it was like without me. He says, I want you to remember how lost you were. I want you to remember that I was the one that saved you. And then he touches on the pretty heavy point where he started to get a little bit um, probably touchy with him. Made some people uncomfortable, probably. He says that... um, says, then I sent a hornet ahead of you, which drove them out before you, also the Amorite kings. He says, you did not do it with your own sword and bow. So you didn't do it. I drove them out. You had a sword and a bow, but you didn't drive them out. We had all the right armor, but you didn't do anything. He said, I drove them out. 
you did not toil and the cities you did not toil and the cities you did not build. So the cities I gave you, you didn't even build them. I let you occupy them, but you didn't even build them. And the olive groves that you did not plant. You got to eat and drink, but you didn't have anything to do with it. You got to have this great life and you didn't do anything. So I did it. He was giving them a perspective that they needed to have. And I think we need to have that perspective. It's like God has done it and been doing it and will continue to do it. And we didn't do anything. We accepted him if we know him as Savior, but he drew us to him. And like he's drawing us to him today. But then he says, okay, now, now that I've done all this, what are you going to do for me? It's like God is saying that. He said, I did it because I love you. I drew you to me. I saved you because I loved you. But what are you going to do for me now? And that's where he kind of puts them on the spot. He says, now fear the Lord. He's telling him now, I'm telling you what God did. Now, this is what you need to do now. Because God has done it all. He will continue to do it all. He is the man. When people talk about where's the man, he's the man. He's always been the man. He will continue to be the man. He always does it. He's always interested in our welfare. He's always looking to build us up and encourage us. He's looking to save us and to drive us closer to him so he can use us more. But he's did it. Now he says, do you fear me? Do you fear the Lord? Do you respect what happened? Do you realize what happened on that day? Do you realize your whole life that I've been drawing you? Do you realize that I saved your, your, your folks, your parents, so that I can have this day where I can take you to the promised land and I can give you a new life? Do you realize that I did all that for you? Now, now, underline now, now, fear the Lord and serve him only. He says, now that I did all that for you, this is your responsibility. You want to participate now? You want to have something to do with it? You didn't have anything to do with it before. Now you can have something to do with it. Fear me and serve me. And serve me. And you look at it. And I read a preacher who said, um, he says, the only use God has for his people in this world, is that the world may find him through them. I'll read again. The only use God has for his people in this world, after you've been saved, after I've been saved, the only use I have, that I have for him, is that the world may find him through them, through us. It's the only reason we're here now, if we know our Lord is Savior. Two reasons. He comes to us to save us. And second reason, he leaves us here so that we can serve him. So others can be saved. It's not just about us. And how do other people get saved? He says it right here. He says, throw away the gods of your forefathers that they worshipped beyond the river. But in serving the Lord, if if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, Then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. And everybody knows the verse. It's a very common verse. Because he says later, but as for me, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. 
So choose today. You have a choice. Who will you serve? He gave them this long list of reasons why they should serve him. And I brought that long list to the forefront to understand that God did all of this. We should be willing to do this to him. And what is the this? To give him this life. And I don't mean a piece of it. He said, choose this day. God wants it all. If we're going to serve God, he doesn't want a piece of us. You can't serve all other gods. You can't say, let me serve my job and God. You can't say, let me serve this other thing and God. He says, no, serve me. Just me. Just me. I was thinking about, you know, we have a couple of hamsters, and they irritate me. But my wife loves them, and my girls love them, but they irritate me because they're nocturnal, I guess. They, at night, I'm laying down, and it's just a lot of noise. And thank God, Lord, it just makes me so beat when I put my head down. I'm out. But I still hear the noise before I get out. But they have those little wheels. You know those little wheels that you kind of run? And I watch the little critters, because they're critters to me. And it's going around, you know, it's not moving. They bought a bigger one just a couple days ago. It's huge. It's about this size. It's a big wheel. They had a small wheel at first, and they're just kind of doing this. Now it's a big wheel, and they're doing the same thing, though. They didn't stop doing it. Once he figured it out, he's doing the same thing in the wheel. It's a big wheel, but he's not going anywhere. It's just same spot, nothing happening, and he has a smile on his face. Because he thinks he's going somewhere. He thinks he's doing something. He's going through all the motions, but nothing's happening. Zero's happening. And it reminds me, I think Shakespeare said, uh, full of sound and fury, but signifying nothing. Full of sound and fury. Everything is, ah, signifying nothing. Nothing's happening. He's just going around the circle. And that's what Christians can do in our service to the Lord. We could be running and running and running and running and running, running around doing what we want to do. And do. I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy, and no, not going anywhere. Zero. Moving nowhere. Because God says, I want your whole life. I don't want a piece of your life. If you give me a piece, guess what? You're just like the, the little rat or whatever it is, just going around. You're just, doing, you're just going through the motions, but you're not doing anything for me, not in my kingdom. Because in my kingdom, I need all of you. I don't want part of you. I want... Everything. When you're at home, I want your whole life. Mothers, fathers at home. I want everything at home. You want to serve me? You want to make that distinction and serve me? Then give me your whole life. If you give me part of your life, you're just like the little rodent in the little thing. Just kind of give me a little bit and going around and doing nothing. Nothing comes out of it. Nobody gets affected. Lives don't get changed. We're, we're left here for one reason, to serve him. Period. There is no other reason I can see why I'm here. Zero. To make him money so I can be happy? No. To be comfortable? He makes us comfortable, thank God. But that's not the reason he left me here. That's not the reason he left you here. He could have just saved us and then taken us home because he did his work. He draws to him 
He drew us to him and now he saved us. Now just let, okay, let's go home now. No, he says, no, 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 no. I drew you to me. I saved you. Now I want you to serve me so other people can get saved. I want you to give up your life for me. You don't have a life anymore. It's not about you anymore. It's about me. He says, I'm reminding you, and he reminded the people that it was God. He reminded the people that God did all this to let them understand one thing. I've earned the right to have you give me your whole life. I've earned that right. I gave you everything. I died. I did everything for you. I paid the price so that you can have freedom. Now I'm asking for one thing. You can give me the greatest gift, your life. That's service. That's the credentials of a person who's truly a servant. Lord, every day I'm making a choice today to give you my whole life. Every day. Because the daily battle, we know it's not just I give you my life for next week. Adol tells me, you know, he gets up in the morning and says, Lord, use a baseball bat on the flesh. Destroy it. Just beat it. Because he's a man of God. And he recognizes every day we have to get up and say, Lord, I give you my day. It's not my day. I'm telling everybody in here, and myself included, I'm telling you, it's not our life anymore. It's not about us anymore. He says, I did this all so that you can give me all. When we get to heaven, guess what? We're going to have the party that we want to have here. Trust me. We're going to have the celebration that we want to have here. We're going to have the big cars in heaven. The big houses. We're going to have mansions in heaven. We're going to have paradise dwellings in heaven. Sometimes we want it here instead of serving him. And if he gives it to us here, praise God for that. But let's serve him. Let's serve him first. And if he gives it to us, praise God for that. We'll serve him through it and with it. Because there's nothing wrong with wealth and great houses. Nothing wrong with that. But God says, serve me first. Put me first. Seek first ye first the kingdom of God. And all these things will add it, be added to it. Seek me first, though. Serve me first. Give me your life. And I challenge everybody, as I challenge myself, that the only life that's worthy, that's worth anything, is a life that's given totally to God. Amen. The only life. There is no other reason we're here except to serve him once he saves us. Isn't that beautiful that we get to thank him through our life? Every walk, every step. We can say it's for Jesus. Everything I do is for him. And we get to thank him that way. Because that's what it's all about. It's thank you. Every time we step in and, and, and do something for our, our Lord, we're saying thank you. I'm saying thank you, Lord, for saving me. Thank you, Lord, for putting me in a household that I can say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Thank you for that. Thank you that you gave that in my heart. Thank you that you changed my life. Thank you that you changed my wife's life. Thank you. So how do I thank you? I live a life of servitude. I serve you. Whatever you want. Lord, what do you want? You want me to go left? Okay, I'll go. Okay, whatever, Lord. You want me to stop? Let me stop then. You want me to wash the dishes? I'll wash the dishes, Lord. You want me to sit and wash the toilet? Wash the toilets, Lord. You want me to go and help a brother out over, you know, on the other side of the bed? It's midnight. Let me go over there. You want me to do this and that? Yes, Lord. Whatever you want me to do, because I don't have a life anymore. It's not my life. I have no right to it now. I gave it to you. Now I have to give it to you and for you. And isn't that beautiful? I think that's a beautiful expression 
of what a Christian's life really could be and should be. And we all have that opportunity. It's just a choice. We just have to say, okay, it's yours, Lord. I give it to you. Every day I give it to you. Now, we have to go because I, I blew it. I apologize. But I want to just tell you something that's very important. That's very important. Because it says in the uh, later chapters about um, the people um, in Judges, it says that the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served Baals. They forsook the Lord and the Father who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshipped various gods. But it says something that's very important. It says that after the whole generation had gathered, had been gathered to their fathers, another generation grew up. This is after Joshua died. It says another generation grew up. I you to hear this. Who neither knew the Lord nor what he had done. You hear that? It says they didn't know the Lord or what he had done. It wasn't passed down to them. So guess what they did? They didn't know. And what did they do? They served other gods. That's the importance of remembering what God has done for us. Because if we don't remember, we'll get cold. We'll think it's important that we just do what we want to do. Now, this is what happened to Joshua. He said, all these things, Joshua, son of Nun, servant of the Lord, died at an age of 110, and they buried him. Israel served the Lord. Hello? Israel served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and the elders who outlived him and who had experienced everything the Lord had done for Israel. It says that all the people, because of this man of God, they followed the Lord through his lifetime. They didn't forsake him. Why? Praise God. They remembered. We need to remember. Who is God? He's been around the whole time. Working. Drawing us to him. Dying on a cross. Working to draw each one to him. Saving us, delivering us, directing us. For what? That's what each one I'd like you to ask the question. For what? Why? Why did he do it for you? Maybe bow our heads. While we bow our heads, I just want you to think about something. I was listening to a song that Randy sung that Bill McDonald wrote. I'll read a little bit to you. It says, I never want to lose a sense of wonder. I never want to lose a sense of wonder that he who held the highest place above should come to earth in lonely condescension to show this fallen world that God is love. I never want to lose the sense of marvel that he whom angels serve in glory bright should stoop to take the bond slave's occupation and serve his creatures here from morn till night. 
the wonder of it all, that God would die for his children. The wonder. Dear Father, we, we're in, it's not right that we can stand here without being prostrate on the floor because of what you have done and continue to do. It's not right that this place is not filled with tears of joy for what you've done for a life that's lost and hopeless. And yet you continue to do it. You continue to show your mercy. You continue to direct our paths. You continue to save. And if there's anyone here today that's been drawn here by you, you've directed them to this place, Lord. We pray that they would take this chance, this opportunity that you have given them to make a decision to give their lives to you. And all they have to do is just know that they're a sinner in need of a Savior. Know that you died on the cross for their sins and to ask you in their heart. And we pray that somebody would do that this morning, Lord. And come and tell somebody that they've done that. Come and tell Adel. And Lord, we just know it's a challenging word, Lord, and Pray for each one of us, Lord, that we would take this challenge to heart. There is no greater purpose in life than to serve you. There is nothing that comes close. Everything is a dwarf compared to that. May we truly take this to heart and go out in the world and change the world upside down by our lives to live faithful, to live honorable lives, to be true servants of the King the King of kings and Lord of lords, and we just thank you this afternoon. And we just thank you that you do and have done and continue to do it all because you love us. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.